Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to all of us. As your new minister, your new settled in here, stay in here. Your new settled minister, I have spent the last few days beginning to get to know many of you and your programs and planning this very exciting new church year. And in these meetings, I've had so many kind smiles and friendly handshakes and welcome to Akatinks. I hear a welcome and I found an office with space for all my books. People who will tell me who to ask for things that I need and where stuff is. And I've even found people who will surprise and move giant furniture for me. It's phenomenal. I not only hear a welcome, I feel welcomed. So thank you. And I offer you a welcome. Welcome to my ministry. Welcome into my heart. May we all serve wonderfully together. Now, I remember my first welcome at a UU congregation. I grew up unchurched in Mississippi until I was a tween, and my parents found a little UU fellowship of about 30 people. I was hanging around that first Sunday in this dark wood paneled social area, and I remember about a dozen people around gathering around us as the newcomers, and I figured they were all about my grandparents' age. <laughs> it was a community, it was fine. I really wanted to know, though, how did they live out these inspiring principles? The inherent worth and dignity of every person, justice and equity in relationships. What was this interdependent web of all existence, and how did they live in a way that was good for them? But they wanted to be sure and let me know how happy they were to welcome a cute little girl. Now, I don't know about you, but as a tween, cute was not what I was going for. It wasn't it. It wasn't even in the ballpark. So it was a bit awkward. But as awkward as that first welcome may have sounded, I soon learned that these kind people really meant it. I knew they meant it because they backed up those first words, awkward though they may have been, with welcoming action. They kept asking what I needed in worship, how I wanted to take part in things. And even though I didn't connect with the reading of sermons by our Unitarian forebears, yes, they read sermons by Emerson and Channing more than once. <laughs> they kept asking. And they not only that, they made space for me in worship. They found ways to involve me, perhaps leading a reading or playing a hymn on the piano. They kept on reaching out and changing and making space. I will never forget them. And I enjoy laughing at the cute little girl, but that's not the welcome I felt. The welcome I felt was a true, true welcome. It's that welcome paradox of being yourself in order to reach out to somebody, but making space for them, making space for that new person, that new need, that new interest in your life. It's paradoxical because it's both 
reaching out to fill the space with you, but making space for someone else. I'll never forget their welcome. We can all probably reflect on our experiences of welcoming or unwelcoming in our lives. Perhaps you've been invited to a meal with a new group of folks and you were wondering if there would be enough food for you, what the mood would be like, but delighted to show up and find a place to sit with food you can eat, and a host who asked if you'd had enough. I hope you feel, felt welcome at a meal or at a gathering. I hope you've had that. And you might have been the one offering a warm welcome too, right? You may have greeted a newcomer and let them know there's a place for them in our gatherings here and that this is a community that's open to new ideas. Bring on your new ideas and insights. Of course, we've probably all had some welcome fails too, right? We'd call them failed welcomes. Have you ever been a newcomer at a coffee hour? Not at this church. I'm sure not at this church. Not talking about this church, but somewhere. A newcomer somewhere maybe holding that newcomer mug or with the newcomer badge on, and not one person comes up to say, hi, who are you, here's my name. Maybe somebody did come up and talk to you when you were a newcomer, but you somehow got the feeling that your ideas, your family, your something about your life just wasn't welcome there. That's unwelcoming, right? Unwelcoming. Now, I have to say this. Sometimes unwelcoming is appropriate. It's part of a healthy boundary. Sometimes it's appropriate because we don't have to welcome in things like hate speech and violence or abuse because these go against our highest values and our mission in the world. So we don't have to welcome in something that undoes our mission. But most of the time, when we're unwelcoming, that's really not what it's about, is it? Most of the time when we're unwelcoming, it's more like an unwelcome accident. And oops, I kind of forgot to say hi to somebody I didn't know. I bet many of us have been the ones who were unwelcoming from time to time when we really wanted to be welcoming. And that's okay, it happens. We're human, right? On any given day, you or I might be tired or overburdened or simply not as welcoming, right? We might end up being downright rude by accident. Have you ever told somebody to stop by your house anytime and just not been able to back it up? Never happened to me. Maybe you had a friend stop by like you told them to, just to say hi, only you pulled the old... Here, I'm going to fill my doorway with my body and close it behind me because I just don't have time to talk to you today. Have that chat on the front porch in the heat instead of inside. We might feel bad later for being unwelcoming. And we don't just feel bad if we're unwelcoming because we we might want to let them in too, be conflicted. We also feel bad Because a part of us knows that having offered a welcome, then being unwelcoming hurts a little more. This experience right here 
in the middle of a failed welcome. For good or bad, it's life teaching us. It's life's lesson. The lesson is that it hurts when the promise of welcome is broken. A welcome can be announced no matter how beautifully and fail because our actions end up showing what we really mean. But more troubling than any of those welcome flubs that you or I may have made on a bad day, more troubling is that we sometimes have so little power over how welcoming we might be. Being welcoming is harder in groups. When the we that we are a part of, when the nation that we are a part of is unwelcoming to someone our heart goes out to, that hurts. It hurts the spirit. And right now my heart believes in a welcome. As flawed as the tale may have been, I believe in a welcome I was taught as a child. A dream of welcome wrapped up in the phrase we heard in the offertory, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The dream is enshrined at the foot of our Statue of Liberty, conveyed in Emma Lazarus's famous sonnet, The New Colossus, which she wrote in 1883 for the statue. Let's take a moment and recall these words of Lazarus's sonnet. Not like the brazen giant of Greek fame with limbs astride from land to land. Here at our sea-washed sunset gates shall stand a mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning and her name, Mother of Exiles. From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome. Her mild eyes command the air-bridged harbor that Twin Cities frame. Keep, ancient land, your storied pomp, she cries with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore, send these, the homeless, the tempest-tossed, to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. What happened to our dream? What happened to our promise? When many, when so many in need are denied any semblance of welcome at our border and throughout these 50 states, our promise has been broken. When people are unwelcomed merely because of what they look like or the accent they speak with, our promise has been broken. When families can be torn apart to feed fear or greed, our promise has been broken. I believed that as a nation we promised to welcome those seeking refuge especially those mistreated and rejected by their homelands. Yet from denials at our southern border, refusals to hear asylum pleas, from this to ruthless ice raids, it's clear our welcome has failed. Somehow we are now the ones declaring who is wretched. Have we somehow become 
that gluttonous kingdom that Lazarus so eloquently dismissed in her first opening lines? Have we forever broken the dream of Lady Liberty? From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome. Is that gesture meaningless? Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses. Does that promise ring hollow? If we let that welcome fade completely, we not only break our promise, we fail to have learned life's lesson that she has been teaching us a hundred times. We know what it's like to feel unwelcomed, especially when we need it the most. If we give up on this dream, we fail to have learned from millennia of our greatest teachers. As Ibu Patel noted in the chalice lighting, the Quran teaches, for example, we made you different nations and tribes that you may come to know one another. That you may come to know one another. And older than the Quran, Leviticus chapter 19 in the Hebrew teaching says, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. We are taught to have empathy, to see our experience in the other. And this promise, this teaching, is broader than the Western and Judeo-Christian Islamic traditions. Many native peoples, from all the way from North America down through South America, have been teaching the original oneness of all the people and the imperative to make space for all people and all creatures on this land that we share. Here today, the teaching has a home in our Unitarian Universalist principles, the interconnectedness of all lives, justice and equity in our human relationships, the inherent dignity of each person. Like the golden rule, to welcome others and treat new people as our own. It's a promise that the great teachers have tried to instill in us, tried to hand down to us for as long as we've had stories to pass down. The teaching says, hey, be welcoming to other people. You know what it's like to need a good welcome. We've got to share this place. So if we receive this teaching from whatever great teachers we follow, or from our own lessons in life? Are we not called to keep our promise of welcome? Are we not called to keep our promises? Of course we are. And of course it's hard. It's hard when our country, when our large group we're a part of, is rejecting the people we long to welcome. Where is our personal opportunity to be welcoming? Where's our power? Where's our hope? Here I invite you into this. I invite you to remember your teaching from life. Simply remember your teaching from life, from your ancient teachers, and apply it wherever you possibly can. The seed of welcome. Remember how you've needed to find and be welcomed and find ways to offer that welcome to new folks. And when you hear people talking about shutting out and denying welcome to the stranger, remind them of the dream that we proclaimed so eloquently, our promise to the world, 
This may seem small, but it's radical. It's radical to be truly welcoming. And there is always unknown power in radical action. If you're not content or ready to sit with personal practice, I invite you to notice your opportunities to welcome that are around you. Perhaps take time in your neighborhoods, in your communities, to ask a newcomer what they think about something, whether they're a newcomer to your family, your neighborhood, or the country. If you notice someone you don't know here at Akatink, I invite you, maybe give them a few minutes of your time and find out what they're interested in, what they think, what they're seeking, what they think of this new minister up here, right? <laughs> if you're looking for concrete immigration action, there are many things you can do in the DMV. And one example, you can support the Unitarian Universalist Service Committee's August N District Action Days, August 19th to 30th. They're just asking Unitarian Universalists to go visit your senators in their home areas and tell them what you think about immigration. This is our chance to impact while they're here. If anybody wants to join me to go visit Senators Kane and Warner, I welcome the company. So just let me know. <laughs> All these are meaningful ways to be welcoming. And I also invite you to care for your own dear spirit. However you have been hurt by a failed welcome in the past, I invite you, can you take some time this week to acknowledge it? Maybe the place you have most needed welcoming has not given it to you. And I'm not suggesting that you carry the burden of teaching someone who's been rude to you to welcome you, but rather to give yourself space to acknowledge it. It's a real hurt. Journaling, talking to a friend, good self-care. These are ways to acknowledge the unwelcoming that you have been hurt by. Life has taught us all that a broken welcome promise hurts, and deserves to be healed. Whether you feel powerful or not, whether you feel welcomed or not, we've learned from life. We are all care called to carry out the welcomes that we have promised. And you, this entire congregation, you fill me with joy because you're showing me that you know how to do this. Akatink UU announces a welcome in support of our principles out on our sign. We have it in the byline, a liberal, welcoming, religious community. Welcoming. But this congregation not only says it, I see you doing it. In my first meetings, I'm already hearing thoughtful people who welcome. Folks in one meeting actively reaching out in interest to find out what another group was interested in as they planned a project. How can we find out what they're interested in so we can incorporate that, welcome that? And another group who just learned about a new idea that could help some people, finding ways to make space in their plans to do that new idea. Now that's what I'm talking about. That's welcoming. And in your relationship with our neighbors at Haley Elementary School, doing 
what you've heard they need with the meal packing, but then being in relationship, asking them what else they need and learning about the mentoring program. So now growing the mentoring program, that's welcoming the neighbor. That's what I'm talking about. That's why I got this big smile on my face. Then back in May, I remember the potluck. We had a community potluck with all kinds of food. There was vegan options, gluten-free options, my personal favorites. <laughs> there was place for everybody to sit or roll up. There were activities for all ages. You know how to do welcoming. That's awesome. When we overflowed the sanctuary at one point, you open the way for other people to see and be included. That's welcoming. And I have to tell you, I feel it. I feel the welcome. This is a community who is going to keep welcoming, who cares about welcoming, and who's going to do the good, hard work anytime you need to, to be more welcoming. We always have to grow in welcoming. Every new individual brings a new way to grow in welcoming, and this community is going to do it. This true welcome, it starts and gets nurtured in a community of love like this one. This is the welcome our world so deeply needs right now, and we're the incubator. At this time when so many people need welcome who are hurting from hate speech and violence and abuse, this place, this place, <coughs> let it be a beacon. Let us be the beacon. A beacon of welcoming in the lives of people here at this church and all around us in the community who most need to hear the words, you are welcome here. You, you are welcome here. And who most need to have that backed up by making space and reaching out in interest. Let us be that beacon. Let us be the community who keeps the warm, true welcome and shows everybody how it's done. May we always be so welcoming. And may each of us always feel so welcome. Amen.